Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters frustration. So this is a very special episode. Folks, check out the green screen. I know, see, this is what happens, but we're going to have a little fun. You can see my friend here, Nick Jones, dressed up for the season. I thought, oh, I grabbed this shirt at the last minute. We saw this. We thought this is cool. Um, so I just want to introduce everybody to my friend, Nick Jones. Um, We've known each other for over 20 plus years. We actually worked together at Borders and uh, we had a friendship for a very long time. There's been like a 10 year gap in this friendship, but uh, that's on me, by the way, not on him. And uh, so uh, basically we've reestablished our friendship as a result of doing Mormon book reviews. But lo and behold, I find out my friend Nick is part of a very popular rock and roll podcast called Pot of Thunder that they've been doing for eight years. Now, a warning to y'all, it is a not safe for work podcast. Uh, podcasts they do use the swears um i was a special guest on their program recently and nick and i did not use the swears but there was some swears in it so if you're sensitive to that thing i do not recommend you watch it i've done uh, too much of an uh, of an introduction here uh nick jones welcome to the program thank you for having me steve it's been a long time it's been a long time so we, I went on your program and Nick and I actually both have a uh, podcast and we're going to, we'll probably talk about that at the end of the program, but actually Nick, this was Nick's idea. Um, he came across a Christmas movie a couple of years ago that he found to be very interesting. And as we were conversing, he said, you know, this movie was made by the Mormons. You know, of course, that's how he would understand it because my friend Nick is a traditional or well, conservative Orthodox Catholic, right? Wouldn't you say that? Uh, I, I Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's his background. Good old Polish Catholic, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All the check all those boxes. I think yeah. they all apply. So we're from a place called Northwest Indiana, just outside of Chicago. And we have a ton, just about every ethnic group in the world lives in that area. So just about every church you can possibly imagine is based there. So it is a um, very uh, multicultural uh, melting pot, if you will. And so uh, I come from a different background and we, for whatever reason, still are friends. And, <laughs> uh, no, and it's not uh, that was, hard to imagine. Yeah. Well, he, he knew me when I was like hardcore Calvinist and I can't believe he still kept me as a friend, but either way uh, that, that you have a lot of grace there for a Catholic. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so he came across this uh, interesting uh, movie yes. and it's uh, it's called Christmas snows, Christmas winds. Yes. And it's and, only about a half hour. So yeah. it's, it's a it rather it's a short whatever you classify yeah. it as yeah so you brought up to me that this was movie was made by Brigham Young University so Nick I just want you to talk a little bit about your experience with that film and just some observations you made and then maybe we could just kind of have hash it out sure yeah before I'm I mean I don't want to I guess there will be spoilers why not um but before we get I guess too far into the actual story of it um the thing that struck me was or at first is steve and i are from northwest indiana and who's our most famous writer to come out of this area gene shepherd that would be mr gene shepherd um famous for christmas story the film and uh it struck me that the tone and the look of this short film were very similar to something gene shepherd would have been involved in he's not of course but that was something that kind of grabbed me right away because it's Christmas story. And some of the, um, I think it was made for PBS, uh, shows that like shepherd in America, I believe he did in the seventies and the eighties. Um, there's just, there's a unique tone to those movies and television shows. And this was pretty close. So that grabbed my attention right away. Cause I would, I had just, um, 
I was just looking for a playlist on YouTube. Just whatever. Somebody made a Christmas playlist. There were like 200 things, I want to say. Oh, okay, there's probably some stuff in here I've never seen that I may like. So I just happened to click on this one. And um, I guess we'll get into a little bit more, but um, enjoyed it. But it, it had a dark side to it. It had, an ed- it had an edge to it that I did not expect. Yeah, it was interesting. And, and just so folks know, just to give a little background here, um, the, the movie itself is based on a, um, a book that had, was published in 1977 uh, by BYU Press. And it's called For Frost in the Orchard by Donald R. Marshall. And then in 1978, the movie was made from one of the short stories that's in this book. Of course, the Christmas snows, Christmas winds. That's where the movie gets its title from, from that short story. And uh, so apparently this movie was probably shot about the time that the book came out. So that's kind of a little interesting uh, perspective there. Um, So, you know, I watched it the other night and I kind of picked up what you had said about Gene Shepard, of course, you know, the Christmas story. And just so you know, folks, he's a very, very influential writer from North Louisiana, uh, has a tendency to bash the region, as we call it, the region uh, where we're from in some of his programs and, and also on when he does speaking engagements. But it, it, it uh, butters his bread, however. Yes, yeah, certainly. Because he, he was, really reaches into the nostalgia and the setting that would have been Hammond, Indiana in the 19. 19- 30s, I guess. Exactly. And, and, and just so you know, Han, uh, Nick is from Hammond, Indiana, and I actually lived in Hammond for a while uh, to become, I was actually the city sealer for the city of Hammond, which was the head of the Department of Weights and Measures. So we both have an intimate connection to the city of Hammond, which is referred to as Holman, Indiana in the Christmas story film. Uh, but the Holman Avenue, just so you know, is actually the main downtown road in Hammond. Yeah. Uh, so that's where they got the name. But um, and, and then Gene Shepard later, uh, best known for going on W-O, uh, WWOR or WOR New radio York. based in New York and became a legend out there as well on one of their 50,000 watt uh, AM stations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, let's get back to uh, why you, uh, you know, like when I watched it, it, it I immediately did catch the, the aesthetic of the filming that I thought, yes, this this did have a even like the close-up shots. So like in the opening scene of the movie, they have the gentleman who's the narrator um, observing children uh, who are then um, looking at toys and uh, displays at a, uh, at a uh, department store. Yeah. And so I immediately picked up, is that where you picked it up to? That well, that, yeah, definitely. Um, the, it looked and felt like the Goldblatt scene in uh, Christmas Story, which it's not referred to as that, but that would have been the actual um, department store in Hammond at that time. Um, yeah, it, it definitely it had that similarity, and it had the it had the guy walking around, um, reflecting on his childhood, narrating it. Uh, some similarities there, and it predates Christmas Story by five years. Hmm. So, thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and it just makes you wonder if this film had any influence on the creators of the Christmas it's, story. It's hard to it's hard to really be able to even speculate on that. I think because the I mean, obviously the movie came out later, but Gene Shepard had been uh, I don't know technically producing, but he had been involved in the production of um, short hour long uh, PBS specials that 
that had the similar tone. They, I don't know that they, they probably did a Christmas one. I don't know. I know that there's a great 4th of July one there. There's a great Thanksgiving one, which makes my, um, my mother laugh kind of because, uh, the, the Thanksgiving one, I, it's the star crossed loves of Josephine. I forget. Um, but anyway, it's, it takes place. Uh, the object of, of his affection in that is a Polish girl. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but the Polish girl is the, Oh my goodness. And, uh, and it, and part of it takes place in the basement, you know, the, the panel room at the church, which if you're from, if you're a Catholic from Northwest Indiana, particularly you've, you've been to the panel room, you know, how that that's where the uh, pancake breakfasts and the coffee and donuts and Las Vegas night and everything would take place. Fish fries. So. And that's where you're oh, yeah. doing that devil bingo stuff straight from the pit of hell as we viewed it. Wow. Well, it was gambling. <laughs> it is gambling. <laughs> So, um, yeah. And so, yeah, yeah. It picks up, you know, and part of why this film kind of would resonate with Nick and I is because it, it, it is interesting how the aesthetic is very similar. Now let's move on a little bit onto kind of like the story. So there is early on in the story, there is like this, uh, foreboding sense that this is a wonderful nostalgic Christmas story. That's very, very nostalgic. Uh, you have a smile on your face when you're watching it. They're not your memories. They're somebody else's memories, but yeah. they are familiar enough. And then, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. They have that music going on throughout. Where I, it, it references and foreshadows what something would happen later. Yeah. There, I mean, there's, there, it's not, I don't think I got the chord. I just tried to figure it out before we started recording, but I just, it's something where there's a lot of suspense. There's like you said, foreboding. <laughs> You know, so it's it's an it's a jarring sort of an uh, an off putting, uh, definitely a, a great uh, juxtaposition to the rest of the yeah the look, yeah, the, the look and the sounds and the feels of everything yeah yeah. So as basically the story uh, takes place is he takes you back to the period of time where he's about five years old, nineteen thirty nine, and he's telling about his childhood memories of Christmas. So why don't we just talk a little bit about that, Nick? Just kind of how that look and feel oh, yeah. of that, and 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 and, 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 the, and the opening scene is at a is a classroom shot, which again totally Christmas story, Christmas yeah. story all the way, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very similar Christmas shot that takes place in the classroom, and then just the leading up to Christmas. Just talk a little bit about that. Okay, um, the thing that I remember most of it is uh, when he's talking about uh, his mother preparing the meal just all the different foods and the making wassail and um, the, all the candy he gets very descriptive with the, with the candy things I'd never heard of. I think, what was it? Uh, glass candy animals or something like that. I looked that up. I couldn't find anything. I said, is this a real thing? Cause I want to know about it. Um, and it had a lot of, uh, it, you could tell it was a rural area for the most part that it was taking place in. Uh, there was some horseback riding, you know, views of the plains and whatnot. Um, and uh, uh, it, it really good descriptions for the, um, like the sights, sounds and the smells, because again, back to the food, um, very much like, you know, keep bringing it back, but much like Gene Shepard, he would get, he, he was a brilliant storyteller. And uh, I, I think this does as good a job 
as Gene Shepard would with this kind of story. It's shorter, but with as far as being able to convey and set an atmosphere and, you know, you can really, even though I didn't, I, a lot of these things he's talking about, I didn't experience them as a kid, not necessarily, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's memories of their youth and their Christmases of their youth are different, but um, I was able to imagine it. I'm watching it of course, but, but it was, it was well done where you can, you can kind of smell the smells of the food that was being prepared. So and that's did you, did you feel the same thing? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I actually really enjoyed the way they, uh, they did film the food scenes as the, the preparation of the various uh, pies and items that uh, I remember they made like a fruit punch thing where they like, uh, where they put all the, they're cooking up the yeah. fruits and I forget. The wassail. The wassail, that's the wassail. Okay. Yeah. So it was just, it was really interesting, even just seeing the, that they, they use the equipment and uh, the, the old fashioned hand grinders and stuff like that as they're making yeah. the food. Um, so it was just, it was just kind of laid out a very particular place in time. Um, I felt what I really liked about it too was, it seemed authentic. Now, in the 1970s, there was very little authenticity when they were doing um, fil- filming these movies from the past because everybody had long hair. Like my grandparents hated Little House on the Prairie because that Michael Landon was a hippie with that long hair. And my <laughs> grandfather was a lived on the frontier of Canada. Like nobody had hair like that back then. <laughs> so, no, no. And, and so, like if you watch Happy Days or even Black Sheep Squadron. Um, everybody has these fair fossil hairdos and yeah and so and so for something from the 70s to be filmed i felt rather authentic is actually kind of a rare thing from that era yeah i would agree and uh, even uh i'm thinking of when he's it's a little bit later in the movie when he's i don't know i forget exactly what age but i'll say like he's 11 or 12 for the end of the movie um, the, the clothing that they had, uh, the, I can't really, I can't really describe it, but the, the clothing and they, you know, okay, I'm going back to Christmas stories, <laughs> you know, you know, the bully, uh, Farkas mm-hmm. in a Christmas story, his little, his little toady friend who had oh, kind of yeah. like, what do you call it? The rye hat sort yeah. of, and like the jacket and yeah, it, similar to that kind of a look. Um, I don't know. Is that what kids wore in the? 30s i think but, uh, probably 30s 40s that was probably the look it seemed like they got the aesthetic pretty good especially for that era i'm sure there's a few things that got through that like in the era of after watching Mad Men, uh you know i'm obsessed with getting the history right because they did yeah. a big time on that show um so you know the, the basically so what we have here is a lead up so we got the food and stuff but everything is like a this countdown towards christmas and some mm-hmm. christmas eve and having people over and then um but before that you know you have him waiting for santa to arrive and mm-hmm. just trying to stay awake but also trying to get to sleep so that he can get up in the morning and open his presents. And I, I enjoyed um, particularly the scene where they're getting prepared and they're getting the tree together. Oh yes. And he is, I think, I believe he's sitting on his father's lap and they're, they have the same old string of lights that they always use. And they're, they're figuring out which bulb is not working so they can get the whole strand work, you know, functional and up there on the tree. And I, and just kind of watching that scene, I, I noticed the the actor who's playing him as a child the way the way that he's kind of in, it's something that as an adult it's very sort of okay the lights don't work again this year like oh boy okay what am i going to do but as a kid it's like oh this is like this is the greatest thing ever like this is exciting we're getting 
these big, huge, <laughs> bright bulbs. We're trying to figure it out. And it's something that it's as a, as an adult, it's more of a, a chore and inconvenience. Oh, they don't work. But then you can kind of see that as, as a child that I'm thinking the actor either is a great little actor or, uh, or he was really like, as they were filming that he was really kind of mesmerized by just looking at these giant light bulbs. So that, that stuck out to me, this, the, the way that the child reacted to, to something so seemingly mundane. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I do remember that scene. And that, uh, yeah, and that, that's the thing is like, it does have these nice touches. And when you think about like, so this would have been filmed probably by primarily like with the LDS like, or the Brigham Young University, like they have some film school, I guess, or oh, they do actually. And uh, this would have been probably produced by primarily by students. And, and, uh, and then the cast would have most likely all have been members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, we checked the IMBD pages and it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of uh, history there with these people. So this was like a one-off for some of them or a few other things. So all things considered, when you look at the story and the way it's told, I mean, I'm just, I was actually impressed with how well the cast was just, it was mm -hmm. authentic. It was real. It was not, uh, it wasn't bad acting at all. No, it, 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 I mean, it was short, but it kept my attention the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was nothing that came off as, Oh, that's hokey. And I'm not an actor, so I don't know. I, I can't watch something and say that's good or bad acting, but um, yeah, it, the whole time I, it, it came off real. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so the story continues where basically, you know, he wakes up the next morning with the presence. It's, it's really interesting because they, of course they show him the night, the days before, you know, shaking the presence like we did as kids. Do, do kids even do that anymore? Do your kids do that? Um, yeah, they do. Okay. <laughs> well, you're traditional, so I'm just joking. Um, most, when did most kid, of wait, when in your opinion did kids stop shaking presents? Well, it just seems like everything now is gift cards and, and uh, oh. you know, video game stuff. And, you no. know, well, my biggest Christmas. Maybe at a certain age. It yeah, at a certain that. age. That's true. Well, see, like my, my the biggest Christmas present I ever got. Well, the one that really, really like is like the highlight was I really, 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 really wanted a Millennium Falcon um, from Star Wars. And my mom had it, what she would do is one of the things we did in our family, it was we, they would try to pack presents where you could not figure out what was in there. So sometimes they would play, like pack blankets in like this huge box and she packed blankets in it and all these other items so that you wouldn't know, you couldn't shake it or you couldn't figure out uh, what was in there. Yes. Okay. And, and so I, couldn't tell if the millennium falcon was in there or not i mean because you're just trying to figure out and the box was like a certain size and there's other things going on and when i opened that thing up man there was that millennium falcon it was probably one of the most exciting presents i ever got yeah that's pretty clever of your mom to do that yeah i think it's something that they did in the family it was that, like you would try to deliberately pack the packages so you couldn't tell what it was <laughs> So your imagination yeah. had to really work on over. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, see, I, I don't remember ever being like a, a kid who was trying to figure out what I, what I got, like was trying to sneak and see. You yeah. Know. I didn't want to sneak. I, I never did out. that. It, I don't know that I was much of a sh present shaker either. I, I think, so I don't know if they did this when you went to school, but they had a thing at uh, the Catholic school I went to where your parents would give you some money in an envelope. And you get to use it at Santa's secret shop in, in the school. Mm -hmm. So basically you got to, there was a day where the students got to go to this little shop and it, just little 
tchotchkes as they're called. Um, and I do remember those were allowed to be under the tree as soon as we got them home and wrapped them. So those, those would be gifts from the kids to our parents, to our brothers. And um, those would get shaken quite a bit. I remember. And they're usually little, you know, kind of, so you can kind of tell what they were, but for the big ones, those stayed out of sight until, mm. until the big morning. Got it. Got it. Yeah. No, I would never try to sneak and try to see like go to my parents' bed. I didn't want to mm. know. I wanted, yeah, it had to be wrapped. Then, then that was part of the excitement was trying to figure out um, what was in the present. And yeah. so my mom did a really good job with that. So this is a nice <laughs> trip down memory lane, isn't it? Tell her, tell her I said congratulations on, on fooling you oh, with good. that Millennium Falcon. As soon as you're done with this, let her know. Okay, I will. <laughs> so, um, you know, just the thing about this film was, is that, you know, like we, we go back to, so there there's the story. I mean, look, look at just the conversation we just had. It was nostalgic. It was reminiscent. And that's really the sense. That's what this, the, the, the first two thirds of this film evokes. It's mm-hmm. just all the, the buildup and then. Christmas morning, opening the presents, and then having people over for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, they had some beautiful uh, Christmas music, uh, just some yes. nice music in this as well. I thought mm-hmm. the person who was singing at the piano when he was at the fireplace, kind of, you know, reminiscing uh, and, and also kind of being a little uh, little depressed, knowing that it was all coming to an end. I, and I that stuck out to me as well, um, that whole feeling of how how yeah like and and it doesn't set in the day after christmas it sets in on christmas yep where you're sitting there and you're like yeah well this is okay this was it for the year this is it it's winding down man yeah and and i actually um i years ago probably about 20 almost 20 years ago i i wrote a song about that sort of melancholy like I thought, there's not a Christmas song about that. So I, I, I actually. What's the name one. of it? it it's uh, it was it's actually the day after, but it's called December 26th. December 26th. And it, it ended up being instrumental because I just uh, when you when you're when you're especially if you're nobody and you're writing, I'm gonna write a Christmas song. You can't you can't do lyrics. It's just, it's 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 not. Uh, it comes off goofy every time. So it's an instrumental. Yeah. I got it. Oh, but, it, but I, but that stuck out to me cause I had had those, I had had those thoughts as a, as a kid and, and, it, and yeah, it had uh, come back to me a little mm-hmm. bit there. Interesting. So, you know, uh, as we were talking, you know, as this story is unfolding, of course, why don't you do that music again? <laughs> oh, I got to so, try to find this chord here. Unfo- unfolding. I'm going to talk while you're looking for it. Um, okay. I'm ready. There's like, so at the moment, really stretching here. No, okay. Kidding. All right. Do the music. Yeah. Okay. So, so it, it, it keeps on going back to that. Yes. You see this girl who's playing, what is this? A French horn that she had? What kind of, I believe that's a French horn. Yeah. yeah so, so you see this girl with uh, her hair is done in uh, kind of like a traditional, like Heidi look, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, in the French horn. And they just, it's just an image of this girl that they're keep on referencing where basically he's talking about how great Christmas is and how wonderful it was, except, mm-hmm. and this and is something that it's, it's, it's kind of, you could tell the, I believe this story seems to me to be autobiographical. I think this is based on a true story. And so yeah, he, this gentleman, you can tell was living with us his whole life. Yeah. Maybe just talk a little bit about that. Oh, sure. Um, and I was just going to say that, um, 
it's really a great bit of subtle foreshadowing because if you're, if you're watching it the first time you see this girl with the horn, you don't know that it necessarily is significant. He just, it's just all of a sudden he says, and I remember other things. And then it's, that's the wrong chord. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't find the transcription for the episode. No, just kidding. Um, um, yeah, you hear that every once in a while and you see this girl with the, with the horn. And it, at least to me watching it the first time, it didn't occur to me that that was, that that girl was significant. I just thought it was like, okay, more like there's something happening here. Um, and there's like maybe a band concert mm. that he's thinking of, I, but you know, it keeps focusing on this same girl with the horn. Um, and then, then it gets to, to the part that like really, really like, made me think and really kind of got to the core of me while watching it was he's now this girl, uh, German immigrant in the, in the story and, uh, you know, like poor family and didn't really have friends. So, but a really kind girl. Cause there, there was a, a little tidbit that he added that, uh, there was a kid crying on the playground one time and she went over and was consoling this 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 kid so that's what they call, they call so they call their consolation was the sort of mocking uh mm-hmm. nickname that they gave her and um so they're at the recital uh, in the evening at the school and uh she's playing i believe it's oh holy night if i remember correctly um there's a piano accompanying her and she's playing it on the horn and she's doing fine at first and then you see the main character as no, about this is five years after five years later, five years, different okay. Christmas, like five or six years later. Yeah. This is, this is when he, I believe there's a line in there about something uh, he and his friends were struggling to uh, display their maturity to the world or something along those lines. And so they're goofballs, you know, they're, they're, they're young boys. They are together, uh, you know, in a pack <laughs> in a pack and they're at school but it's nighttime and they can kind of roam around you know so they're so they're feeling you know they're, they're a little bit rambunctious um they start really teasing this girl from the front row she sees it um she's playing it fine up until that point you can see just on her face she's just like oh no like like it really got it really got to her and she start she starts playing the wrong notes uh some of the notes aren't really coming out at all and um eventually she stops and she's sitting on the stage like with her head down sort of and the piano uh accompaniment stops and it's just kind of like okay what happened and then at the very end the boy's walking out he doesn't i probably didn't think much of it just thought oh you know whatever we were just having fun sees this girl constellation um being consoled by her father and she's just no, like it was it was the mom that was crying oh it was the mother that was crying yes okay that's right that's right so the last time they show consolation was she's sitting on the stage and she's just like defeated basically that's right it was the mother and the father's consoling her and the boy's watching and you could tell that this is the moment where he's absorbing what he's now feeling as an adult He's seeing this, but then you, you kind of see he just runs off, kind of like a kid would do, you know. But the fact that that stuck with him 
that you could tell that's the moment right there where if he hadn't seen this girl's mother and father being like devastated by the embarrassment and, you know, just probably it's compounded all the things that they probably have been to been through since, you know, maybe their entire lives since moving to this country and the treatment that they, that they had received from some people. Well, and just, this would have been the time where you, these were German immigrants around World War II, maybe pre or post, you know, right around, it could have been going on. So there would have been a lot of anti-Germanic yeah. hatred as well. Yeah. And it just, it really, it took it from, it separated itself, in my opinion, from almost, that I can think of at least, every other Christmas movie, television show, whatever. Because there's always that, there's always that happy, yeah, cliched, happy ending, that feel-good ending. This did not have that. This is a very... Um, it's you had all that stuff in the beginning yeah and then all and then the it ends on the conflict yeah it doesn't resolve and so it's it i found that to be very interesting the way that it was set up that it it's not like they don't make it sound like he's going to be able to find this girl now as an adult and apologize to her and you could tell that was the lament of the narrator you know he didn't yeah. even know her name no, because you're out there. I wonder how you are. So yeah. You carry this baggage. So this, and, and really, you probably figure that the character, the narrator, perhaps the author, every Christmas carries this. Yeah. And, and how, how, how interesting it is that all that pleasant nostalgia actually reminds him of this. There's, there's like a, a knot in his stomach, like he's thinking of all these great things, but then there's that, there's that little, that little sharp sort of unpleasant feeling that he's getting. That's actually being brought on by all this wonderful nostalgia. So it's in a way that's, I mean, you have things like the Christmas story or practically any other Christmas movie where it's just, everybody's happy. You know, George, George Bailey's holding his daughter and the bell rings and, you know, and all, all this kind of stuff. But in this one, it's, it really, it doesn't give you that satisfaction. It's something that in my opinion, um, you watch this and you reflect for a while afterwards. You think about like, man, I wish, I hope I hadn't done anything because it, it's, it's not something that it, it wasn't a criminal act. It wasn't anything, you know, it wasn't a major, major thing, but, as an adult looking back, he's, he's just, he really realizes how reprehensible it was. Just well, yeah. To, and it, it makes you think too, because if he hadn't seen mom crying, he would have would, never known the devastation that he brought to that family and he would have never carried that burden. And so it gives us all pause for free reflection too. Did we do things in our past? whether yeah. child or adults where we really hurt somebody and didn't mm -hmm. realize it. And we didn't yeah. see the consequences, but that person has to carry that burden that we may have put on them. Yeah. And, and we were maybe not, I mean, it wouldn't have been, it's not pleasant to think about, but maybe we were not afforded the opportunity to see the reaction. Perhaps that was all in private and we'll never know if we hurt somebody. Yeah. Because I mean, I don't know about you. I'm sure you were a little, 
a little uh, rambunctious uh, individual as a, as a youth. I mean, you still are. So um, I would, you know, I, when you're a kid, even when you're an adult, I say dumb things all the time. And then I go home and I think, why did I say that, you know, to this person? Like, I hope they did. I hope they brushed it off. Like they look like they did. Um, and, and most of the time, just like in this story, um, you're having fun. It's humorous to you, but then you don't really realize what it can do. And that to me actually makes this a more authentic Christmas, actual Christmas, um, sort of a story because it's that longing for atonement. It's that longing for being forgiven and being able to apologize for something, which is what Christmas is. So it actually, it's, it's a short story. Um, at first view, it's like, wow, that was weird. You know, that was kind of hard to watch. That was weird. But the more and more I thought about it, I thought, wow, this is, I don't know how profound <laughs> the author meant for it to be, mm -hmm. but it was profound to me. It really was. <laughs> because I have, because I, I think like most people, we have, we'll think back to like, when we were kids and like, man, I hope, I hope I didn't do that to anybody. And you just, you don't know some sometimes you do know and you feel bad. Sometimes you don't even know. And it, it kind of freaks me out thinking about that. Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess folks too, is that that's where um, we have to put it in his hands, the things that are out of our hands and uh, allow the healing and the forgiveness to be done via that way as well. I mean, Hey, if there's anybody out there that I've offended, and you're watching this He's like you you raised your hand i've got some got some grievances to, grievances to air out here yeah this is people don't realize you know i'm a much in many ways a very different person than i used to be i was people think that on this that's, no i'm not no you're you're not but but that's a compliment because because it that's i wouldn't say you've improved much, but you didn't need to improve. Oh, wow, dude, it's coming. That's high praise. Wow, I mean, you got you people have to understand. I mean, this is water, too, by the way. So, just as long as the, I don't want the <laughs> listeners thinking that this yeah. is doing the talking here. <laughs> so, well, you know, uh, Nick, um, I really want to just thank you so much for coming on. You know, we're longtime friends. Um, I had the privilege of going on um, their podcast. I also want to tell the audience that Nick and I have what I we guess we could call an irregular podcast called Steve and Nick talk with you about dot, dot, dot. Um, maybe talk briefly about um, the concept of our podcast that, we're put, that we've released one episode and we hope to start releasing yeah. some more next year. We, we, we did a pilot episode um, and we have, we have a basic concept I'd say worked out. Um, it's loosely um affiliated or at least we'll be discussing the adult swim show joe para talks with you and um which um steve and i hadn't hadn't um been in communication for a little while and then when we got back in communication um you had seen i don't know if it was something on my youtube channel or that i subscribed to joe para or it was something like that and you said oh you're a joe para fan too i'm like oh yeah yeah so so well, that was something when, when i we were out of touch i was watching it and said nick is watching this or nick <laughs> this. yeah it's it's uh it's a very interesting very very good show uh very different very refreshing show yeah so um yeah we we now we we weren't going to 
base everything off of it. We're not right. doing like a, uh, I believe, uh, Talking Dead is the television show like right. Chris Hardwick does, where Walking Dead's on. Talking Dead is on right afterwards. Exactly. They just talk about it. Um, but it, but I think like the tone of it and some of the topics of conversation, we were going to maybe be inspired by it, I think mm-hmm. would be a better way to say it. Yeah, it would um, be so, part of the ethos of the show in some sense. Yeah, so it would be, if people are enjoying our banter back and forth here, it would basically be that. Yeah. So, Stephen, to talk with you about, and that is available on all the different platforms. I'm going to provide a link to that. Uh, we just have our pilot episode. Originally, we thought we were going to do like a after show uh, after, well, Joe Perez's nine episodes already aired. We hadn't done a single one. So we'll, we'll be bringing, integrating that show. And of course, most of you probably have no idea what we're talking about. That's fine. Um, we love the show. And, and if you have never heard of Joe Pear Talks With You um, on Adult Swim, it's also available on HBO Max, uh, all the seasons. Uh, I would recommend that you check it out because it's actually one of the best shows that, I mean, one of the best shows ever made <laughs> on television, honestly. It's, it's, it's it so unique. Be, yeah. It's a yeah. beautiful show. And so we want to share this with you. So folks, you know, this episode was a little different than most of my Mormon book reviews. I do an occasional different thing, but you know, this is my show, right? So I get to do these kind of things and have these conversations. And Nick, I just want to thank you so much for coming on my program. And I just wondering, do you have any like uh, parting words for my audience? Um, I just wanted to say thank you for having me. And um, on behalf of your audience, thank you for putting out some great content this past year. I know you're very proud of it and you should be. (laughs) And um, yeah, just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, hello to the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. So meet my friend, Nick Jones. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And, you know, I want to say, you know, just to to thank you for being my friend. Thank you for, uh, the good times that we've had and thanks for putting up with me um, oh, and thanks for the ride from the airport. Yes. I picked them up. Uh, that's another story. We, if you're ever interested, we could talk about, well, it is on the podcast. <laughs> you know what, Nick and I maybe could even talk about it on one of our programs too. Um, but basically I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. You know, every day I get an email or a phone call or a text or something on Facebook messenger. Uh, I talk to people all across the world. I talked to somebody in Philippines today. I talked to two, two Europeans last week. They're coming on my program. And it's a real blessing and a privilege to do what I'm doing with this channel. Um, so I just want to thank everyone. I want to wish every one of you a Merry Christmas. Um, and we're going to get through this pandemic together. I just want to remind my audience to like and subscribe. And don't forget to hit the notification button for when a new video comes out. Um, everybody, we're going to get through this. Have a ha- Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. So after the New Year, the book reviews will start coming out. And so we're very excited about that. And uh, we'll see you soon.